Yeah, it's interesting. I told you about this before. Uh, I think it was la or last week. What dealing with today's movie, but the idea of like uh, aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I clocked it, that as well. It was funny. It was yeah. interesting watching this because one of the first like yeah. CinemaScope. Yeah. Yeah, because it was yeah CinemaScope at this point. It's interesting again, just the constant battles that that this industry has to like get people to go out and go see yeah. things. But then it's also kind of like. It's like when a new fear comes in, it's like, well, they defeated the other one, so why are yeah. why should we? It's kind of like the AI thing. I'm not really concerned as concerned as a lot of people because I'm like, I mean, I think it's gonna get beat like everything, you know. The hope is, yeah. that's 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 the that's the uh, optimist. Yeah, is that like, okay, look, we've beaten everything else. Yeah, it's like the end of the day. It's like again, like I said this, uh, I think on an episode at one point, like a while ago, like a year or so ago, when like things were getting a little murky with streaming. It's like, wow, it's gonna be weird one day when we just finally realized the best way to make money in this business is through cable program, like ad based programming <laughs> and, uh, and the, and theatrical experience, because it feels like that's the way to make money yeah. um, with the way streaming is now. Like they make more money. If you uh, do ad based revenue or ad based ser or streaming service, like plan, then you do a no ad streaming service plan because if you do ad service, they're basically double dipping and getting paid to, for the ads and yeah. also getting your money in the process. Um, but it's just fascinating to see kind of how where something comes into play. If it's TV, we have, we have let's make everything wider yeah. to get them in the audience. Or if it's like, oh, uh, if it's sound or you add all these different things. But with that. Or even like at one point, like the straight to video market was like, oh, it's going to kill the. It's going to yeah, it's going <laughs> to kill uh, movie theaters yeah. it's gonna, or cable pro, cables. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cable movies, movies and then streaming and then streaming, which like. And even the streamers are kind of realizing that, like, oh, maybe we should maybe release we should release, release, <laughs> release movies. the big stuff. Like, yeah, we can maybe actually, actually make us money. <laughs> um, it's like, and again, it's like that just happened recently, where like I just see the Hitman, uh, Linklater's movie got picked up by Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, breaking news here, David. <laughs> um, for twenty million dollars is what. what oh was. wow! So, but but it was just it was the irony of it. I was just like, God, Linklater just came out saying that like what ruined the movie business was like tech companies coming in yeah. pretending to be a movie and then Netflix buys Hitman. So there's something there that I don't want to criticize or deconstruct here, but it is, it just shows you that's where a lot of the money's coming from is the yeah. other thing. I'm not, not, not a knock on them, but like that's where the money's coming from because I think even too, is that to give Netflix a little bit of credit, I think they don't, they don't understand the theatrical experience in terms of like what movies should go out in theaters or whatever, but it's like, I, I think movie theaters or I'm sorry, movie studios have been trying to catch up to Netflix. They kind of forgot what they were to begin with mm -hmm. is the thing. Um, that's a whole other camera arms that we used to talk about on the show when it was not genre stuff, but now it's genre stuff. David. Um, back in the, you, you were not, you were not on those days where we didn't know <laughs> what we were, days. we didn't know what we were discussing before we started recording. It was like, what are we talking about today? I don't know. I just want to talk to you guys. That's how it would go. <laughs> um, but now we're here, and now we have a plan. And this month, we've done a very interesting topic with Stuck in a Small Town. Before we talk about that and these and today's movie, uh, I'm Brand Sparks. I'm David Lynn the Fourth, and this is the Nation Podcast. And as I said, we've been talking about Stuck in a Small Town, a, 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 a genre that Thomas pitched to me uh, a month or so ago about just kind of. He, I think he, had, I think Asteroid City is what made him think about it. He never says in the podcast before, but he, I think he started thinking about it during the summer, like, oh, we should do something like that. And I was like, let's. Give me a list, and we'll 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 start from there. And looking at this genre, a lot of things we kind of looked into uh, the simple kind of plot 
reasons like oh someone gets stuck because of their car breaks down or bus breaking down or somehow stranded in this in this place uh but a big key that he that thomas keeps bringing up and we've kind of talked about is the idea of like local color it's kind of the, the supporting characters the people who live in the town that kind of create kind of the atmosphere of it all and sometimes it's like down home like local people like in uh doc hollywood or in groundhog day where they have very kind of routine mundane lives and the main character kind of breaks that up um and sometimes by the end of the movie you can have either the care the main character is affected by the town or the town is affected by the main character in some way and with local hero and groundhog day i think it's that the the main character was affected by the town and i think today with this movie with bad day at black rock it's more of the town's affected by the main character, yeah. I would have to say. Yeah. Um, and like we've talked about too, is that this stuck in a small town movie genre is one that it, it really is kind of multiple. It could be any genre is the thing is we've talked about kind of comedies or dramedies, um, uh, road trip movies, but today is a very unique one because it's, it's a kind of Neo Western is what I would say. Um, uh, today it'd probably be like a, revenge action thriller or something um but at this point it was this neo kind of western and you picked today's movie bad day at black rock and i don't think you had seen i had not seen black rock so what made you interested in covering this movie for the show uh i i well i wanted to do a western because i think this is kind of a we were just discussing the plot that plot device has almost become like a trope of the, I mean it is a trope yeah. of, the, of the western genre as well as others other genres but like a I, character rolls into yeah, the small town right. wreaks havoc or affects yeah. it in some way and then rides off in the sunset I mean a lot of those like old western shows I mean that was like every episode was yeah <laughs> um but yeah I uh but I, I had never seen this and it's funny because uh I, I I mean I think I'd heard of, I, I definitely heard of it but mm-hmm. uh Patrick Willems posted a review uh like a couple maybe a month or two ago mm-hmm. and it was pretty fun on Letterboxd and it, and that, it was talking about um, Born 9 getting karate chopped oh yeah 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 <laughs> and I was like wait what I didn't know I needed to have Ernest Borgnine <laughs> yeah. getting karate chopped by Spencer Tracy yeah. in my life but I'm glad it happened or and something. I was like yeah. I, that's not what I expected this movie. Yeah, so he, I, he karate chops the hell out so of him so then when I saw that and then I saw it on the list that, that Thomas made I was like oh you know what this might be a good opportunity for me to to watch it and um, you know d- dive further so I, I didn't know a lot about it yeah um, but I, I'm really glad I watched it so and, you, d- uh, you dove in head first yeah and you listen to multiple commentaries. I did. I found the uh, the Sturge's uh, Laserdisc commentary, which is hard to find. Yeah, I mean. But apparently when it was on the Criterion channel, they put it on there. Oh, did they? Yeah, but so that I mean, you can't was... have it You can't have it physically. It's not on the, the this Blu-ray. Why it's only on their Laserdisc. I don't know. Well, I guess, I wonder if, I guess, because, well, the, the Blu-ray is Warner Brothers. Right. So not I Criterion. wonder And if... I think he recorded it just for Criterion. But I know with, I think, some of Criterion, because remember Mark telling me about this, how, like, Criterion started off as a laser disc company right. initially. So if you you can go and find like Casablanca laser disc, uh uh Wizard of Oz laser disc, Ghostbusters laser disc. I think they had a lot of James Bond laser disc as well with like commentaries that are hard to find because yeah. of they were never re-released on the, they never the, released. the later. And I think also be... because of stuff that was said in the commentary, oh, they sure. don't want those getting out because <laughs> it's again like the mid to early nineties or yeah. whatever. Um, so, different culture back then. Different culture, and so that's why a lot of movies, uh, because of the certain rights issues. If I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong. So, if someone, if you know, feel free to tell me. Um, where I'd heard like that's why you didn't see a lot of big 
major titles get Criterion until like about five, six years ago because those Laserdisc companies that were making Criterions had like exclusive rights to it in some oh, way. Oh, interesting. So Criterion couldn't release them. So that's why you saw like The Graduate come out yeah. like the mid 2010s or whatever. I think Citizen Kane, like all those older ones that didn't have a later criterion. I don't know if that's true, but that's what that's what I was told at one point that so many rights issues were tied up with those criterions back then. So it is it is like sad that like some of those movies that like like this don't have like a physical like a physical release of that commentary is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's definitely worth listening to if you can find it. I mean, it's on the internet if you if you Google search it. But oh, what's your, what's your history with it? I saw it. I feel like it was going through Edgar Wright's. I keep coming up with like local hero as well. It was on Edgar Wright's like thousand favorite movies. And I think I watched and I always, I'd heard it was good. And, and Spencer Tracy is an actor that I think was very revered in his time. And even by other, I feel like Morgan Freeman talked about him a little bit, how like it was someone that was talking about how like um, Spencer Tracy would like when you watch him, is that he was so natural. He would just literally be looking at his mark, like literally just like looking down at his mark and overdoing it to where you just thought he was just being a regular person. It was really just like trying to find out where he was yeah. going to be standing in the scene. Um, but what I forgot about, cause it's been several years since I've seen it. So I wasn't as I knew Ernest Borgnine, of course, but I've grown to love like Robert Ryan and Lee Marvin and Dean Jagger and Walter Brennan. Like it's like, it's like all these people, I forgot just how stacked the cast is yeah, it's crazy it's like an amazing supporting actor um like just ensemble and again that kind of goes with what tom was saying about how it's like the idea of like the supporting players the character actors who come in and this movie is just like chock full of them basically which i was kind of so excited to come back to and see in this new context of this genre but also just like it's a film i've heard several times that like it, it's still very relevant yeah today with the movie that while it's mostly all it's all white characters in the movie deals with race in an interesting yeah. way and like america's telling the idea of like western like america's like sins in a way and what what we do as a, as a country and people as a country um so it's interesting kind of like like um again neo-western kind of the combining of like which would be just a small like 50s drama and making it this unique western story mm-hmm. um but that that's kind of my history of it. But I, like you said, I know very little. I know like one thing, which you might touch on dealing with Spencer Tracy's arm in this or, or hand in the movie yeah. of, of why he doesn't have a, doesn't have a hand in this yeah. movie. Um, but we'll talk about that later. So yeah, I don't know anything about, about the making of it really. So I'm excited to hear what you got from everything. Sure, yeah. So a little intro. Uh, it was released on January 7th, 1955, based on a short story that was published in the American Magazine in 1947 by Howard Breslin, titled Bad Time at Honda, which actually mm. had full-color illustrations by Robert oh. Fa- Fawcett, who was slightly colorblind. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I looked at the some of the illustrations. They looked really cool. Um, it stars Spencer Tracy, as you've already mentioned, as John J. McCready, an injured World War II vet who has arrived in Black Rock under mysterious circumstances and motives that are revealed throughout the Mm -hmm. movie. Robert Ryan plays Reno Smith, the leader of the outlaws who've kind of taken over this town. Mm -hmm. Uh, His gang consists of many heavy hitters of the era, including Ernest Bornine and um, Lee Marvin. Walter Brennan plays Doc 
Veli, who's an elderly man, um, who is both the veterinarian and undertaker in the yeah, town. Yeah, mortician, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, attempts to help McCready. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Jagger plays Sheriff Tim Horn, who's the kind of uh, another trope of the Western, you know, the washed up alcoholic law yep. man. Uh, the sole female character is played by Anne Francis, uh, or, yeah, Anne Francis, mm-hmm. who plays Liz Worth. Um, and then her brother, Pete Worth, the character. The character's brother, Pete Worth, is mm-hmm. played by John Erickson, directed by John Sturges, and written by Millard Kaufman. And with that, we can kind of get into the history. Uh, and like I said... Yeah, like if, a, you, if you haven't seen it, it's also... It's not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it off like Apple Prime, wherever you can yeah. watch your movies. So. And, uh, and it was on the Criterion channel at one point, so I wonder if they'll yes. add it back yes. uh, at some point in the near future. But yeah, with the history... Um, you know, I, I, like I was telling you before, I think you started recording, but I, some of this may be conjecture or whatnot, yeah, but no. this is what exists is, you know, it's Hollywood, a movie of this era kind of can lead to, you know, Hollywood myths and stuff like that. But yes. some interesting stuff. The, like I said, the original story was titled Bad Time at Honda, and it was adapted to a, a screenplay by Don McGuire, who started actually as a newspaper uh, at a newspaper in Chicago, but left to enlist in the army in 1941. He was a military police first sergeant serving in the Aleutian Islands until 1944. Uh, his service ended due to back injuries. And he worked in public relations in Hollywood, opening up his own business. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to get a film role for his girlfriend, actually, but the director offered him a role instead, which led to his acting debut cool. in San Antonio, a Western from 1945 starring um, Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. And while he was acting, he was also working on several screenplays, including this one. Mm-hmm. So he pitched it uh, to the MGM production head at the time, Don- Dor Shari, I think is how you pronounce his last name, I'm not positive, yeah, who was yeah, known... Dor- yeah, Dor Shari, maybe. Shari, yeah. uh, who was known for fighting for films that dealt with social issues. He had previously yeah. produced Go For Broke in 1951, which dealt with the segre- segregated Japanese-American mm-hmm. 442nd Regimental oh, wow. Command Team. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he was already kind of dealing with these these themes of, yeah. of how the Japanese were treated by Americans during the war and, mm-hmm. and after uh breslin uh who actually who, who i said who i mentioned wrote the original short story would later actually novelize the script under the pseudonym michael Niall, and it was published in 1954 before the movie even came out um but, oh wow but, interesting but shari did end up buying the film rights um sam zimbalist originally was assigned to produce and george sydney was going to direct this original screenplay by don mcguire um mm-hmm. but shari decided he wanted to hire Millard Kaufman to rewrite it. Uh, The producers did not like the title, Bad Time at Honda, because they felt it was too similar to Hondo, which starred John Wayne and came out a few years prior. And I think John Wayne also Uh, produced it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so they didn't want it to be mixed up with that. So it was Kaufman's suggestion to change the name to Black Rock after a real town in Arizona. And he would Mm -hmm. finish his script in the fall of 1953. Uh, Bring in Spencer Tracy, who was 54 at the time, and of course had been acting in film since the 1930s. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was... Much older than kind of everybody had envisioned the character, and especially yeah. in the original story. Yeah. But Sherry wanted him for the lead. Um, and according to a biography on Spencer Tracy, the script did not originally call for the lead to be a one-armed man. <laughs> the producers didn't think he would be interested, so they gave the character a disability because they yep. believed no actor could resist the role in, with a physical impairment. Yep. That's what I read at one point <laughs> was that tra- they were like, give Tracy no hand. Yeah. He's going to want to do it. Like, he's going to want to, like... An actor loves a challenge and yeah. just saying, like, now do this role like you only have one hand <laughs> or one arm. Well, okay. And you're like, you know what? I can do that. But it's one of those things that kind of like keeps his mind off other things because he's going to have to like tr- not only train how to do it things one handed, but like also like he's more focused on that than. It, we, yeah, it weirdly, and that's nothing to do with, with acting to go into that, is like sometimes it's the idea of creating a bit, uh, creating business. Yeah, or giving somebody a prop. Or, yes. Yeah. And not just to like, like you're busy, like busy, but also because when I did acting 
classes, we I did like a scene from Odd Couple, and my business was smoking a cigarette, and, yeah. And it just became like, okay, now smoke the cigarette to like just because you're getting annoyed, and just keep smoking it to where you're taking all your like frustrations out on this cigarette, right? Instead of the character, and then do the scene, and it's. Things like that where it's like it can help build like the inner kind of monologue or something. Um, and like I said, it can keep your mind on these like a thing that a character would be in real life and not about what's my next line. Is right. The, thing. the line just yeah. comes easier because or, you're more. Or like I got to react to this line that they're saying now. Yeah. Kind of thing. Because like the simple thing of just like him like going into the hotel and having to put his bag down to open the door and then pick his bag back up. Yeah. Oh. Is is like you have to like rethink and say, oh, I'm gonna just take out my hand and mm-hmm. and open the door that way. It's just this weird little small little things that that becomes a part of his whole character build, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Vincent Minnelli was actually offered to to direct, but declined. Interesting. Yeah. Don Siegel called the screenplay the best one he had read at that point and yeah. lobbied to direct, but he was also he was declined. Too young. He, or he yeah. was declined. Yeah, he was too young at that point. Um, uh, Sturges was hired though in June of 1954, and shooting yeah. began the following month. Uh, in wow. the 50s, that just kind of how it worked, right? But during World War II, Sturges had directed documentaries and training films as a captain in the United States Army Air Force's first mm-hmm. motion picture unit. So he wow. not only had like experience, obviously making movies prior to this, but he yeah. also had experience with with you know what was actually happening in the yeah, in, in the, the war. war. Yeah. Um, and he had made the People Against Oha- O'Hara in 1951 with Tracy, and so he already knew kind of like he already had a kind of a rapport with him and knew how yeah. to, how to deal with him. And I think they would make another movie after this as well. Um, but right before shooting began, Tracy attempted to back out. Uh, there was multiple reasons for this. Some say, you know, his age. Uh, he also felt that he was too old for the role. Uh, his alcoholism was growing kind of out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sh- and sh- but Sherry threatened to sue. Um, and then there's another story that said an MGM exec uh, apparently contacted Tracy and told the, told him that a copy of the script had been sent to Alan Ladd and he had already agreed to do the role. And the next day, Tracy committed. Um, and Ladd said he never got the script, so or never yeah. saw the script. Um, Laddie. So I think they were. Uh, I think that was, you know that could be again conjecture or not. But yeah. what, what, whatever the reason, that lit a fire under him and he signed up. He he, he stopped backing out. Uh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you just need a little bit of competition. Yeah. Uh, but with that, we can move on to favorite scenes. All right, we get the favorite scenes very quickly here. Um, very short movie. Um, for again, love the train opening. Yeah. Just like the train, just barreling down the desert with the big tiles coming in, cinemascope landscape, just really establishes like we're in the middle of nowhere, and and it's like it's so crazy. We just when the train pulls up, it's like I don't know, like four little buildings, and it's and like maybe a few little houses. Like yeah, I was like, where do these people live? I guess they all just like live at like. They all just live at the hotel, like the, 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 some of the some of the, like the the ranch hand guys from Robert Ryan. Like, it's just a very. Well, it sounds like they just kind of come into town, like yeah, for you know uh, sporadic periods of time. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, but I I think and that back to your point about the widescreen and the aspect ratio yeah, that we yeah. were discussing. It's like uh, he really makes sells that isolation even with this like yeah. opening just yeah. this opening. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, we'll talk about later how that opening came to be. But yes, I agree. Oh, it sets the confrontation, like like that. There's a confrontation coming. It, yeah. it, it perfectly establishes like everything. You know, yeah. like you just see this train riding through the desert. And you're like, well, where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah. yeah. And again, it's kind of like, again barreling through this open space, like which in some cases can be seen in their in their eyes as this character, the, mm-hmm. the town people. 
Uh, and again, it, it, you you instantly like set this mystery too because everybody's like, well, this train hasn't stopped in four years. Like, yeah. Like, in our town, like, yeah. Yeah, and so that's the thing with this too, with the small town type of genre, is that now everyone's like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, what does he want? How did he get this train to stop? And everyone's kind of backpedaling is the thing. So yeah. everyone's like, because it's so he's such an outsider, it's like they don't want to tell him anything. And these could be good. They don't, you know, they don't even know what he's after yet. Is they, they just don't like him because he's an outsider yeah. is the thing. And then once they find out what he's there for, then the whole thing like shifts is right. the thing. Um, but yeah, so I love the opening. And then again, them trying to like when he arrives uh, at the hotel and... Um, the hotel clerk, um, uh, Pete, is like, oh, yeah, we're all booked up. <laughs> and he looks at the ledger. And he's and- like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, well, what's all going on? And he's like, looks at the ledger. And he's like, we have a lot of people coming in. You know, we've got a convention coming. Oh, cool. Well, it looks like, it looks like I'll just take this room. Yeah. This one's, <laughs> this one's done. This one's, this one's empty, it seems. Um, and what I love about this movie, too, is that Tracy gets to have again why be a really cool kind of remake because there's so many just good character roles in this movie and it's very character focused yes and like they all get kind of a moment to shine and like tracy gets to have a moment with every single person like i said every single person is that he gets several moments with robert ryan he gets a moment or two with dean jagger he gets a great moment with walter brennan he gets moments with lee marvin and ernest borgnine he gets all these moments, and they all get to shine yeah. in them as well. As the thing, it's about. It reminds me a little bit. He pitched High Noon before we did, like, and how I so said High Noon's kind of like the op, like, so yeah, the inverse. It's the inverse, but this the, is the people coming to town that he wants to keep out. Yeah. Whereas he's coming to town because he wants to solve, you know, solve what's going on. Yeah. Or solve what happened. And yes, yeah, so now it's like he can't leave because, and then and he because he, he needs the answer. He needs the answer, and like he, I think he legitimately at one point. Once he starts to realize what's going on, yeah, he wants to get out, but there's no way for him to get right. out because there's also this idea of, and this is where race comes to play with this. It, it would be interesting of how you remake it nowadays, but the idea of like, oh, once once the sun goes down, yeah, you're in trouble. Is when everything it's and they say, oh yeah, once it gets dark, then you need yeah. to start worrying because that's when people can like we can just disappear into the night is kind right. of the whole thing. Um, and I had seen several times there was no, there was like, like, like I think uh, there's like a few Westerns that do that. If it's like Rio Bravo has like, I think character get killed in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I think there's a Robert Mitchum, Dean Martin Western call. I think five card stud where like a character dies at night after a card game. And it's like, they all disappear in the, and, and, and the whole thing is about like, who in the town was responsible for it. And mm. this is what this movie kind of comes to be is that who in the town was responsible for this. But what's so interesting, it doesn't start off with like, here's the mystery. Right. You're really just peeling everything back to where it's just like, oh no, he's just an outsider and they don't like outsiders. And it's like, how is he going to react? How are they going to react to him? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So Which favorite- again is like a Western trope. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So favorite scene for you. Um, I love the scene where they kind of decide what they want to do with him. 
the blocking on that where they're standing on the, oh, the train yeah. tracks the blocking that is amazing it's amazing like that makes such great use of the widescreen yeah um and it's crazy to think like this was one of the first movies to kind of explore this you know mm-hmm. the cinemascope space uh but he <laughs> sturgis already had like a grasp he just knew um yeah and just like the the shots in that scene the the, the performances um even the dialogue it's like they're not overtly yeah. saying what they're gonna do but it's it's interesting and it and the the people that don't want to, you know, yeah. that, that don't want to kill him killed or don't want to be involved with another killing is it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. How, how he plays it. And like the way so the, talking about the way Sturgis stages it, it's I mentioned there was a video I, I watched. Uh, I think it was on movie wise. And, and uh, they talk about the idea of when widescreen came and what like what cinema looks like nowadays and how we're all there's this kind of this constant evolution of what people like where you see people going back to the four by three now all of a sudden yeah the uh, the, uh, the original an artist, artistic yeah, artistic choice when like wide and then and cinemascope was like the big what you'd see a marvel film on nowadays yeah. but marvel now it's more like just a 16 by 9 instead so it's always an aspect ratios and what you can do with it but the big shift probably the biggest shift in terms of aspect ratio was when it went from four by three which is basically like your Casablanca's, your Wizard of Oz, or whatever, where it's like it's just kind of centered. When movies wanted to get bigger because of TV coming in, they wanted to get wider. And if this is being one of the first ones, the the hard part is, is that as Movie Wise was talking about, was that when it's when it's um, in a kind of four by three ratio, just a kind of simple square, is that you block it vertically. So you have he talked about Anthony Mann westerns, how you'll have things in the top, like a shootout one character's in the top right of the frame in like the mountains and the one that was the bottom left of the frame at the bottom of the mountain shooting. And that creates depth and kind of contrast yeah. or whatever. But when it widescreen came, it wasn't about vertical because everything's so smaller. It's about width and right. how to block and bl- block and stage for a long, uh, a longer kind of piece in a way. And with this one is a perfect example where you have that moment. You're saying when it has like eight, like five, six to eight guys on the train chat tracks perfectly spaced with the horizon in the distance mm-hmm. with the mountains in the distance to to be like we're literally in the open like the, the, the wide open in the town and we're not openly but if you know the town you know they're talking about how can we get rid of this guy mm-hmm. and no one's going to ask any questions because it's a very interesting kind of like you're in the middle of nowhere yeah it is a town but when the town is so far from everything else, like what is, what is law and order at that yeah, point? It just becomes mob justice, especially when the sole lawman in the town is a drunk and is a drunk <laughs> and, and, not, was and doesn't seem there. to really yeah. care for the position at, at that moment. And again, it's, it's almost like you said, it's like a zombie apocalypse. I think it's like, it's like, well, who has the biggest, who, who, who is the most egotistical, the most powerful because they don't have a moral center. And that's the thing is that Dean Jagger and Walter Brennan and, um, and uh, uh, Pete, the the guy who works the, these the, the hotel clerk, yeah. they all have kind of moral com- complexities where they're like, "Is this right? Is this wrong?" Mm-hmm. They're letting people like Robert Ryan, like yeah. Lee Marvin, or Borgnine overpower them because they're bigger or stronger, or they have more land or whatever. It's an interesting kind of class thing. Um, where Ryan is someone who wants to keep everything the way it is. And that's the interesting part. Yeah. That Again, the big scene, uh, and that's, that is kind of the core of the movie when they're discussing all this, because it's not just the core of like, why we need to get rid of Spencer Tra- or with, yeah. uh, with uh, McCready's character. You're also seeing someone who's a bigot, who's yeah. full of hate, 
of not just of a of a, a person who's different of race, but different of a different way of thinking. Yeah, is that we have to get rid of them because once one comes in, they all start coming in and they all start telling us how to live. Yeah, and it's interesting in our current state of affairs in this country, <laughs> um, in terms of political differences, how. That seems somewhat relevant. Yeah, his hat would be a, a MAGA hat. That's the yeah. He, wear, he wears a red hat at one point. In the remake, and, and again, we're adding to. It's not saying this is what they meant. It's just like it's interesting how time can affect how we view things and yeah. how like that's interesting. Like uh, of just or if you look at the symbols, is it, has it always represented this in some way? Um, but yeah, that whole scene establish like it, it establishes the conflict of this movie um i love the immediate after that when born nine does the the uh the dual situation with yeah. Spencer tracy that's great car i wasn't expecting that much action in this movie oh, yeah, the car stuff yeah. is amazing yeah the car stuff's amazing and apparently spencer tracy actually learned how to to drive it you know because obviously he had the fake hand so he had yeah. to learn how to was well, he actually like, doing it some of the wide shots oh no no, no there's stunt okay. drivers as well but he had to learn to you know literally drive, yeah, drive. the car with yeah because he does yeah. drive away yeah, in yeah, certain yeah. Shots, no no yeah. they had the stunt driver for the when he's actually getting like hit, oh, so that's hits ballsy random dude. stuff yeah. oh no 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 he's getting, he's getting hit by a car <laughs> um but yeah i uh i love that sequence it's a great sequence and, and borgnine is a is an actor who can play so sweet and charming in the same year and <laughs> oh is marty the same year yes. wow um <laughs> so sweet and charming and so like just sleazy and yeah. a dirt bag yeah. basically and it's marty's either 55 or 54 it's 55 yeah because yeah. that's uh, wild there's that a reason for that i know that from the aftermath wow there's that's wild that yeah. he's in both these movies so yeah. different so many that oh, god character actors man they're, they're gonna be great yeah um but yeah and, but yeah when he's doing that and him and then kind of after after that one it's like he like we're skipping around here with this, but like when he goes to the diner, yeah, and he's just like, and, and again, the karate chop, the karate chop and scene, but it's it's the chili thing. It's yeah. it's the lead in of just like, uh, what do you have to eat? Chili with beans and uh, anything else? Yeah, chili without beans. And uh, to the diner, the diner page or the waiter, um, and then Borgnine just like, yeah, you're in my uh, you're in my chair. That's where I sit. And then he moves, and then it's just like, I don't like this chair. Yeah, I don't like this chair. And Spencer is like, I had a feeling about or I was worried about that. <laughs> the dialogue in this movie is so yeah, great. It, it and really he, is. And he delivers, Spencer Tracy delivers it really well. He does, because Spencer Tracy's like, he's he he's someone who's been around for a while. Again, this is where the, I think the age part helps, is that he sees all the tricks they're trying to play right. to, like, to like punk him out. If it's Lee Marvin, like, in his room earlier on yeah, he's just laying on his bed and he's just like and he doesn't he just sees him he's like well okay and he walks in and he was just like um uh, doesn't get mad he was just like i think oh i think you might be in the well this is where i usually stay and he's like okay well i guess I'm, I'm gonna move rooms and that's when lee marvin comes back to ryan he's like what's he like he's like he doesn't get mad it's like he's like it's like he, he, when you try to rile him up he just he doesn't he doesn't yeah and like he, I think that's when they realize too, like maybe we gotta try different tactics with here. this guy. It's yeah. like you can't intimidate him. Yeah. It's like he's not gonna back down, but he's not gonna push back. They're just like it's weird. Like he doesn't say, "Oh, I'm sorry." It's just like it's just like he'll do the thing, but he's not he's not cowering in fear. Yeah. He's just doing it just because he doesn't give a shit. It's kind of the thing, uh, or he doesn't want to start trouble. Even though he could start trouble, and that's when the Borgnine thing when he starts cry chopping the shit out of him <laughs> is when you realize, oh man, yeah. this guy's actually kind of dangerous. Um, 
in their eyes at least yeah. like robert because robert ryan's just eating eating it up when borgnine's like kind of toying with him ryan's like i don't know you gotta you gotta tell him what to do yeah. like i can't i can't stop him he's he's a man of his own and um yeah and they're just like shit well, he's getting he just got beat by a guy with one eye one hand <laughs> um and yeah i like but i like that so again i love again robert ryan this movie He's someone that every time I come back and watch a movie of him, I'm so just enthralled by his performances yeah. because he's another one where Borgnine, a little bit different, but Borgnine can be so char- charming and sweet and then so uh, menacing. And Ryan's that way where he's so great at playing menacing, so good, racist, bigot characters. Yeah. <laughs> Odds against tomorrow. I mean, he's so good in that. And, and, and like, but then it can be like in the setup where he's like down as luck boxer who just like wants to have a good life uh mm-hmm. for his kids and just he's someone who could play the role so well is the thing in these kind of like like crime western again great in the wild bunch is kind of like is he a good guy is he a bad guy type thing um where he seems more like a good guy but just on the different side of the law mm-hmm. uh, or on, on the on the side of the law um but yeah, again, talking about the kind of puzzle pieces and kind of kind of pulling stuff back, it's like um, you have the the um, uh, the whole thing of Kamoko and yes, where it starts planting the seeds. As I mean, we that's go one on. of the first things he says. I'm looking for Kamoko, and I'm looking for the flats, the W flats. I'm looking for W flats. And everyone's just like, "Why are you going to W flats?" Yeah. Um, because it's almost like he doesn't say Kamoko early on. He says, right. or at first, he says a W flats. But they all know what happened at Adobe Flats. Right. And they don't want... And if he's going out there, that means someone's poking around out there. And ev- and he keeps getting that from every single person. And it's really not until Ryan... Because I think Jagger's like, oh, I never met him. Like, yeah. he came and went. Blah, blah, blah. Ryan's the first one's like, oh, yeah, he was out here. And he, he laughs. Like, Why are you laughing? He's like, oh, well, he thought he could like kind of make it work. And he went out there and... Then sooner or later, it's the first kind of men- it's like a mention of Japanese internment camps where he's just like, oh yeah. Then like a work placement thing came and got him, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen him since. Um, and Which was we- shocking for the time to, because it's only like ten years removed. Ten years from the later, war. and you're admitting that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like you, hell, when I was in high school, they barely talked about Japanese yeah. internment camps yeah. of what America did to to Japanese or, or probably even Asian, uh, Asian descent citizens in some way of what america did and this is weirdly this like kind of yeah opening of like here's what we did and here's what also like blind allegiance can do to people right is is the thing again very relevant to today um uh and that's in many cases not just politics well sure um um, and like you were saying too ryan has a lot of great moments where uh he has like these speeches but i love his speech about like what's changed in the like again thematically tying back to the what's happening with yeah. this being a revisionist Western, Western, you know, yeah. Western he, when he's talking about like, you know, what's happened to the West and he, he's yeah. like holding on to this, this old image of the West because a lot of times obviously Westerns aren't set in this time period. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's fascinating in the sense that it takes a lot of those tropes and whatnot and it shows like a dying West and, and yep. he's holding on to what the last remnants, like this is one of the last towns probably in the area that has, yeah. that still has this, ideology this yeah. this you know like of the the local motel the yeah. mortician it's like everything's yeah. left over you know and every, everything else has kind of moved on er, er, yeah you know and then he has an interesting ideal uh, idea of like what it is to be an american right right um again where he's talking to tracy and ryan's like oh would you get that in the get that in the war and it's like oh yeah blah, blah, blah. he's like 
Yeah, I, I tried to sign up for the war, or or, or he's like, oh, what happened? I didn't pass the physical. I was there yeah. after Pearl Harbor. I was day or day one, first one day, or ready to go, and they just wouldn't let me in. So it's like I had to do my part here, and then that's when you start kind of peeling back. And by this point, he, he kind of just finally admits it. Yeah, that he's the one that got rid of Kamoko. Yeah, of like, well, Spencer Tracy pulls out the flower and. Kind yeah. of, kind of shows his cards that hey, I know it's that something's gr- there. Yeah. When he says that, he's yeah. like, he, well, he's like, why well, don't or he says I don't believe that part. He's like, you don't believe anything I say. He goes, no, I believe a businessman was interested in land. I believe he was interested in maybe building a cemetery, and then yeah. and then he's just like, he's like, something's buried out there. I don't know if it's an animal yeah. or, or what, but something's because of the wildflowers and wildflowers don't come unless there's a grave nearby. So something's buried out there. And that's when basically it's like this whole idea of like, cause Pearl Harbor, again, this idea of Pearl Harbor, he's like, well, he, he, after Pearl Harbor, it's like, it's like, once you have them here, like, it's like, we got to get rid of them. Cause they're going to, it's like, it's, it's not illegal to, or it's, he says it's illegal to shoot a, was it, is it illegal to shoot a mad dog, but I'm not going to wait by and wait for it to go off on me or something like that. Yeah. It's a very butchered version of what he said, but it was basically saying like, I'm not going to sit by and let someone come into my town that, I think could be dangerous because mm-hmm. I saw Pearl Harbor happen. Um, so I'm going to get rid of him on my own. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a race crime. It's yeah. literally what it is um, that he essentially, you find out it kills Kamoko because he is an Asian man. And also there's a, there's a, there's a sense of jealousy for cause sure. It, Cause it says this, um, I think it was Walter. One of them says like, is that he was told he couldn't, it was, it was Robert Ryan's, land reno smith is reno smith's land he rented it or whatever yeah. like a, kind of like a, i don't know if sheer car but just rented it to kamoko and he's like yeah you rent it because he's, he's gonna make money off him because there's no way that he's gonna be able to grow anything after because he can't get any water yeah and then somehow kamoko finds water on the land yeah. on the land yeah. and it's like um oh no we can't have this because yeah. i should be using this or whatever um but then with them, it's like they, they get rid of them, but they don't go and use the land. They could easily just like go try to use yeah. Adobe Flats because he found Komoko found the stuff they needed, but they just they burn down the house and walk away. Yeah. Um sorry, I'm turning around. Do you have more favorite scenes? Oh, I, I the have, final the final fight is uh, amazing. Yes. Uh if you want to skip ahead, but yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's, it's great. Fine. Great. Yeah. Like, it shows him once again it shows um uh McCready's resourcefulness yeah it, kind of like how his military background you know helps him in this situation yeah when he makes the makeshift Molotov cocktail it's great yep. it's great um and and again the kind of the comeuppance for Robert Ryan's character in the sense of uh, Reno in the sense that he's also dies in a similar fashion to yeah to, you know the murder he committed so uh it's a great it's just a great sequence a great final sequence well then and, just, and the way he plays with uh, yeah. Liz as well yeah. so, with Liz is that Liz who like it's interesting, and I don't know if this is a good or bad thing with this, but like in other westerns, a lot of the times it would be like the woman's the one that sees through the right, the right. villain, and they they follow the hero, and so you think that's what's going to happen in this movie because she's kind of been there, she's like she's kind of aware, like yeah, like I she rents him the car and does all this and. And then it's that kind of twist that, in reality, the one that doesn't go to Rena, it's her brother who's cons- yeah. kind of considered the weak, the weak one of the group of the of the family. He stands up and tries to get McCready out, 
use the sister to help him get out, but she's actually setting him up. Yeah. Because she thinks that Reno's going to take care of her or whatever. And then, yeah, he's like, no, he's like, once you're, once you're here with me now, you're going to die too. Yeah, you're witnessing this. You you're witnessing. He's not going to let you just. And he's yeah. planning to kill the whole crew anyway. Like. Yeah, it's like he's going to get rid of everybody <laughs> yeah. is the thing. So, like, you you literally, like, he can because it's, this is the town he's in. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants to unless someone stands up to him. Um, and she's really it's like, oh, shit. Um, but no, it's a great. Yeah, I love that. It, she, and she really nails that moment like that. The, you see it in her face, like the yeah. realization, like, oh, maybe maybe he's right. <laughs> he's about to kill me. Oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that was all my favorite scenes. Did you have? Yeah. Any? Well, just briefly, I want to kind of mention some of the kind of character moments. Again, I talked about Lee Marvin, that opening scene when he's just like plant, when he's like kind of toying with Tracy in the bed. But I really love Dean J- Jagger in this movie where Dean Jagger's like being kind of like pushed by Spencer Tracy at one point of like, well, I'm still the law in this town. And then Ryan's like, yeah, but I'm the one that put you there. Like don't get any ideas. And I'd like that moment when, when, uh, and Brent again, Walter Brennan's great too, where it's like that moment in the hotel lobby when, um, Spencer, when, when McCready is like waiting for the telegram guy to, to send the telegram to the state police. Yeah. Like, nah, I got him. He sent to the state police. Like I, 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 he said he like he was on my side, and Brennan just like, yeah, I doubt that. Like he's not gonna do that. And then the the telegram comes in. He opens it, and it's like, oh wait, no, he didn't send it. And it's like, and the whole idea of like, oh well, you showed this to Reno, so like you committed like mail fraud. Like you opened someone's mail. That's a felony offense, basically. And it's like, and Dean Jagger for the first time is like, well, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna arrest you because like I can't keep it. I'm the law in yeah. this town. And Ryan's like, yeah, but I made the law, so we're yeah. gonna give this guy over here. Yeah, he and just then takes his badge. And Lee Marvin's like, how can you file a complaint if there's no evidence? And starts ripping it up in front of him. He's like, this is this is a bad thing. Filing a filing a false claim against uh this 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 honest man right here. And mm-hmm. I just I, I love Dean. And then the kind of debate where Brennan's just like to Dean, like, yo, we gotta do something. And Dean's, like, I just gotta get out of here. Like, I can't. Yeah be here for this that all just great like again complexities where jagger sheriff tim horn wants to do something but is too afraid to and brennan who's someone who doesn't have a power as doc but wants to is the thing he's trying to motivate he 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 knows all tactics again him and tracy have a very interesting kind of dynamic because they feel like they're the closest in age is the thing so doc's kind of like well, he's seen yeah, it. He's I've seen it all. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, uh, line's busy. Probably will be the whole day. <laughs> um, it's just that they're all kind of great. And it's yeah. like, and, and and for Brennan, it's like he's realizing that time's ticking away. And then it gets to the point where it's like, yeah, we got to do something. And that's when, when they convince Pete, who, again, has this kind of great moment where he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. Even though I think like you, like you, sh- I don't want another death on my hand. Because when, when Tracy's like, he's like. I think about it all the time. Oh, that's so great. You think about it. You can, you can live in shame about it, but don't do anything. Like you, can't, you won't do anything about it that you let this man die and yeah. have let this person run wild after killing him. Um, but yeah, you really can, you pull the, like you don't really find out about Kamoko and him. Spencer Tracy basically was saved by his son. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really that's near the late end. late in yeah, the movie. Yeah. And that's the, I think if, if, people would make it now you put that early on where, yeah. i'm going to see my the guy who saved me yeah whatever but it, it's like it would have shown the badge in it or the uh metal everything, and everything beforehand yeah. it, yeah. it, 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 you'd have been inside the train yeah watching spencer trace like i'm going to see this person yeah. with this badge i'm going to give him oh wow you thanks for being a veteran 
that's what would happen if it was more yeah. modern film but they really hold everything till as as late as possible with this movie which yeah. is interesting for a 80 minute movie yeah and it's effective in it's that. very effective um, but yeah, we can move on to yeah, on set sure. life. Uh, filming began in July 1954. Uh, later, they moved uh, on August 9th. Production would move to a studio lot in Clover City for the mm-hmm. interiors, uh, and was filmed in uh, 21 total days. Oh wow! <clears throat> a small town, according to according to Sturges on the commentary at least, mm-hmm. um, a small town set was quickly built near because as I mentioned, they as soon as Sturges signed on, like a month later, they were shooting. It's pretty crazy. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, small town set then was quickly built near Lone Pine, California, which is one of the most, was one of the most uh, used locations for Westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they chose an area at the foot of Mount Whitney on the eastern slope of the Sierra ne- uh, Nevadas as it was remote and had an unused stretch of track uh, that once connected to L.A., mm-hmm. uh, which would allow them to do the opening and closing sequences with the steam liner. Uh, the budget was $1.3 million and it was shot in color using CinemaScope, as we've already mentioned. Sturgis on the commentary said this was like the second or third film to, to use that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating uh but uh, sherry felt that widescreen would emphasize the menace of this small town mm-hmm. uh, and so he was very adamant that they should use this new process um and like we talked about already sir just uh made great use of the frame mm-hmm. um, and how to you know how, how to build scenes within this this new yeah w- wider right, yeah. wider look yeah uh he took out but it, what's interesting though is he took out a lot of extras so the ad would throw an extra in the background or something and get, basically try to fill in the town more yeah uh, but he didn't he didn't like that he he, he kind of wanted to give the town this ghost light ghost town like quality yeah you want uh, almost like you want to meet every character right. in this town and he also felt like not only that but within the individual shots it was distracting to him so he was mm-hmm. like okay that's going to be distracting to a audience member let's just take him out and then eventually it just got to the point he didn't necessarily know if it was going to work but he felt it was yeah. right in the moment yeah and it, it did work uh, because again it's like like you said it's like it, it doesn't feel like other people live here it feels like they just kind of come in and take over for yep. the, the time that they're here um the most difficult action sequences were actually shot first uh the car chase that's just uh, the opposite of how uh, it right. goes you just say it for the end the car chase was apparently at least visually inspired by john sturge's uh almost being run off the road by a drunk driver when he was in college wow uh, um, took two days. The climactic nighttime ambush, which we just talked about, that's what, took that's a, a day that's and a, a half. That took two days out of their 21-day shoot. Yeah, and the, the climactic one took a day and a half. Wow. Shot at night with every available light. Robert Ryan's double was smeared with petroleum jelly and outfitted with pro- a protective asbestos suit and gloves. Mm-hmm. But he mistakenly inhaled and it scorched his lungs. He oh, was God. rushed to the hospital but was back on set the next day. Okay. Hey. In the 50s, uh, stuntmen were another breed they were that's true <laughs> um, and then as usual you know when shooting in the desert or in real elements temperatures reached well over 100 degrees according to Ernest Bornine the heat left everyone exhausted mm-hmm. it was too damn hot to party but Spencer Tracy still invited <laughs> damn hot to party <laughs> but, Spen- but Spencer Tracy apparently still invited everyone up to his hotel room for cocktail hour every day even though he only drank seven up while shooting he would abstain from drinking while filming but would often go on binges after a rap mm-hmm. um, at this point in his alcoholism Sturgis would uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> Sturgis would say he would watch you know uh, Spencer Tracy in a take and he would just forget to call cut because he was so invested in his performance yeah. uh, Bornine respected him very much and always called him Mr. Tracy this is a quote from him. I was in awe of him. To me, he was the world's greatest actor. Uh, Spencer Tracy apparently had great respect for Robert Ryan. Uh, Millard Kaufman, the, the writer, recalled that uh, Tracy said to him one day, Bob is so good in his part, 
he scares the hell out of me. And then when Kaufman expressed the same, Tracy replied, that's good. It means he'll scare the hell out of the audience, too. <laughs> and according to John um, Sturges, almost all the scenes were done in one or two takes. I think wow. part of that is the 21 days, but also because Spencer Tracy didn't like to do more than one or two. Yeah. Takes more than one, if he possible. Be natural. Uh, according to the assistant director, Joel Freeman, uh, Spencer Tracy was the only cast member who was not fully cooperative. Uh, he wanted to avoid close-ups and, again, like, like I said, hated yeah. doing additional takes. In the garage sequence between him and Robert Ryan, Sturges called for a second take. Tracy asked the crew if they understood him in the scene. When they said yes, he refused to shoot it again. But according to, to Sturges, he said, yeah. with Spence, you could print the, his first rehearsal. Yeah. He said nothing. He said noting that he almost never had to tell his, his star how to play a scene. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, he got along with the rest of the cast. But by some accounts, he could be moody and would give other actors the cold shoulder. Yeah. Uh, one time, Anne Francis and Robert Ryan borrowed his car to go get hamburgers. The next morning, Tracy complained the car was parked crookedly. Francis got him back during the shooting of the scene where she drives Tracy's character to Adobe Flats. She gunned the car and took a big road bump at full speed. But despite this, he stayed in character. She later said that Tracy became friendly with her again after this accident or incident. <laughs> um, Spencer Tracy and Walter Brennan didn't get along, though, due to their political differences. Oh. Tracy being liberal, Brennan being, Brennan conservative. being uh, conservative. One day during blocking of a scene, the two weren't speaking and communicated only through John Sturges. Brennan later taunted Tracy by holding up three fingers, an indication of his three Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor versus Tracy's two Best Asker, Actor Oscars at this point. What's wild, though, is I think they had some of the best chemistry I in agree. the movie. I agree. That's um, crazy. I think at one point he had made, um, uh, Brennan had made a comment about the, the McCarthy trials or something, and that irked. Yeah, Eric Dumb. It's the middle of that. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, John Sturgis has. Well, I tell you, <laughs> John Sturgis has scheduled an entire day for the scene in which McCready tries to find out from Smith what happened to the Japanese farmer. But they finished it at nine in the morning, so they finished early. Jeez. They started to move on to another setup, but Tracy stopped him, insisting the schedule said they're only shooting one scene that day. <laughs> so he said, "Come on, let's go." And the two left the set, forcing Sturgis to try to shoot around Tracy, who was in nearly every scene every of the scene. movie. Yep. Um, the showdown between McCready and Trimble in the cafe was done with stunt doubles. Spencer Tracy refused to do it himself because he had been known to get too involved in fight scenes on previous productions and neglected to pull punches. Uh, at one point, he broke an actor's jaw on this on previous movies and, mm -hmm. and knocked another's teeth out. Sturges decided to shoot the sequence with minimal cuts and reverse angles. However, he was not happy with Tracy's double, the one of the stunt drivers, Carrie Lofton. Lofton. Mm -hmm. um, the na the nature of the fight had to be toned down also because of the production code restrictions on violence. Mm -hmm. uh, the production code administration at first objected to the use of karate in this movie, ca calling it not fighting heroically. But then they were reminded that the hero only has one arm, and so they allowed it. <laughs> Um, well, he's got one arm. Oh, fight. 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 Karate. Uh, when Spencer Tracy saw the rushes of the fight, he thought it was absolutely ridiculous. He didn't believe his character could disable his enemy that quickly and easily until John Sturgis showed the footage to a Marine instructor who confirmed the effectiveness of the karate method and also told Tracy that the blow would have killed his opponent in real life. Hell yeah. <laughs> and with that, we can go to the aftermath. Okay. So the movie had three previews in the fall of 1954. The first two screened the film... Oh as originally conceived. So it began with the shot of McCready stepping off the steamliner train and walking down the main street of Black Rock, accompanied only by the sound of wind, no music, uh, mm -hmm. or, or none of the aerial shots either. Yeah. Many thought the opening was too abrupt, and at least 25% uh, that, you know, that did the survey commented that they wouldn't recommend this picture to anyone. Uh, the film did slightly better in the second preview, but it was clear it wasn't working without the mu without music in the opening. Mm -hmm. So associate producer Herman Hoffman came up with the idea to add these aerial shots of the speeding train through the desert and uh, a score. Um, 
because uh, Skyrim's original idea was to not have no music in the whole movie. Uh, he wanted mm. to, you know, be without music, but I think the score really works. I think so too. Um, but unfortunately, John Sturges had already moved on to his next film at this point, The Scarlet Coat. So mm-hmm. Herman Hoffman, that producer, took charge of filming this new opening. The mm-hmm. plan was to shoot the train hurtling towards the audience, almost like a 3D movie. Yeah. But it would have been deadly. Would have been deadly to attempt this, uh, put yeah. a helicopter maneuver in, in that path. Um, so they instead decided to run the train backwards and reverse the footage. That's smart. Yeah, and as Sturgis would later say, it's a hell of a shot, but I didn't make it. Uh, On September 6, 1954, Shari gave a speech before the 13th Biennial National JACL Convention in Los Angeles. In this speech, he promoted Bad Day at Black Rock's release, and he proclaimed before the crowd that any Japanese-American soldier was as genuinely American as any soldier in the 101st Airborne or a Mm -hmm. rangy Texan in the 143rd Infantry, and deplored the hostile actions of hate groups as undermining American ideals. Mm -hmm. He also urged Japanese-Americans to embrace their heritage, arguing the U.S. U.S. flourished from diversity. Yeah, uh, the film would premiere at Low Seventy Second Street Theater in New York on December eighth, nineteen fifty four, uh, and then it was released as I, as I said on January of nineteen fifty five. Mm-hmm. Box office success made one point nine million in the U.S. and Canada, and one point eight million elsewhere on a one point three million dollar budget. And reviews were pretty much consistently positive. Uh, favorite of the show, Pauline Kael, called the storyline crudely melodramatic, but praised the film's direction and cinematography, calling it a very superior example of motion picture craftsmanship. Uh, and she, of course, she wasn't the only one to com- to praise cinematographer William C. Meller for his use of widescreen. And again, th- this time period where they were going to war with movies, and this was kind yeah. of their... Hail Mary, their their last ditch attempt, right, yeah. to, to bring people to the theaters. Um, the film was a no, uh, nominated for three Academy Awards: Best Director, Best Actor, Tracy, and Best Screenplay. Mm. Other Best Director nominations that year: okay. Delbert Mann, who won for Marty, Elia huh. Kazan was nominated for East of Eden, Joshua yeah. Logan for Picnic, and David Lean for Summertime. Best Actor nominations were Ernest Borgnine as Marty, Marty which yep. is fascinating. The same year, and yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a way lesser part than this. Um, James Cagney was nominated for Love Me or Leave Me. Yeah. James Dean had a posthumous nomination for yeah. East of Eden, Possibly, and yeah. Frank Sinatra was nominated for The Man with the Golden Arm. Best Screenplay um. nominations were Marty by Patty Chayefsky, which of yeah. course won. One. Uh, that cleaned up that year. Blackboard Jungle, adapted by Richard. Brooks, yeah. East of Eden, adapted by Paul Osborne, and Love Me or Leave Me by Daniel Fuchs and Isabel Leonard. I haven't seen Love Me or Leave Me. Black, yeah, Love with Jungles is um, Glenn Ford and uh, Sidney Poitier is in that movie as well. Uh, it seemed like a, like a tough year at the Oscars. Huh? Yeah. 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 But uh, Tracy did win Best Actor at Cannes, um, and the film was selected uh, by pre- preservation for preservation in the National it was, Film Register. So it, was, it was at Con in 55? Because yeah. I know, because Marty won for best, won the Palme d'Or oh, at Cannes that year. That makes sense. Wow, he, had, he, had, he, even, he even tore it up a can, Borgnine, because Marty is still one of the only two movies to win the Palme d'Or and Best Picture. Best Picture. Oh, wow. Can you guess the second one? No. The Lost Weekend. Oh, great film. Yeah. Deserved it. Uh, Yeah, but the film was selected for uh, preservation in the National Film Registry in 2018. And as we've mentioned, this plot device, a stranger arriving in a small town and uncovering a deadly secret 
it went on to inspire various films and television programs and essentially mm-hmm. a trope of this genre and many others. Um, the Western genre, I mean, and many others. Uh, it influenced many filmmakers, including PTA, who has who stated that you can learn more from Sturgis's commentary track for Bad Day at Black Rock than you can in film school. Um, a decade after the film's release, Millard Kaufman, the writer, was awarded by the Japanese government for treating its people with uncommon dignity. And he quoted as saying, the whole thing was absurd because there were no Japanese in the movie, but I knew what they meant. Yeah. And with that, we can move on to what worked. So what worked for you, Bren? I mean, the cast of this movie really really works again spencer Tra- again from top bottom tracy's amazing Robert ryan's amazing uh walter brennan who apparently hates spencer tracy on this movie that was amazing uh D- again dean jagger borgnine lee marvin like because i was telling thomas i was trying to like uh, i was like i was like because again i hadn't seen it in years i was like is it lee marvin and robert ryan's oh they're both in this movie <laughs> like, you know what i mean it's it's yeah. just kind of like well this was an early role for lee marvin according to yeah, Sturges. yeah yeah because 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 he's also in Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which yeah. is around this time, yeah. I think. Give or take a year. I feel like it's yeah. Liberty Valance 56. Maybe 58. Uh, 62. Man, I was just off on all accounts there. Um, shows you I'm not as well-versed in Westerns in the 1950s and the 60s, apparently. Um, but, uh, no, wait, what's the early movie he's in? Is he is he in Seven Men from now? That I have not seen. Um, I think he's in. He, I mean, he, his bread and butter for a while was this kind of role. This kind of role for okay, Seven Men from Now is a year after this, so yeah, yeah. And he's great in with Randolph Scott. Um, you do it for Randolph Scott. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, very that's all a seventy eight minute film too. Um, but um. Yeah, the cast is in, the cast is really great. Again, it gives everyone kind of moments. We again to the actual town. The towns the the town designs is, is really amazing with how they build up this town and, and again it's like it, and the fact that it was kind of rushed to well yeah. I mean, rushed not might not be the right word but that that they pulled this off in the time period that they were given. It's yeah, pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy and they shot you know, twenty one days. Yeah. And they even had to like fly that or they bring the train in and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. And they were like really concerned about that. They said it was almost like bringing in an atomic bomb because yeah. <laughs> they were like, no piece can get damaged. Yeah. yeah. Um. And the screen said the script is the script is really great. The script's tight. Like again, it doesn't it doesn't give too much exposition. It doesn't reveal things too early. It really is a nice pace. It's efficient. Um, everyone gets their moment to say something. And, and like Brennan and like Brennan and Jagger all kind of arcs. Uh, Peter gets an arc. Pete gets an arc, arc as well. So it's it's a very kind of, and I would say even in a different way, uh, Liz gets kind of an arc where she's like, yeah. you think it's good, and then oh wait, she tur- she does this whole turn. It's it's just a good good little twist. Um, but yeah, again, cast. Uh, I talk about the cinemascope. The the cinematography is, is gorgeous. Um, is the thing. So yeah, that's a lot of my stuff. I don't want to jump too much. Even I've said a lot of big things what worked for you in this movie. I mean, all, all the above, but also the thematic content. Yeah. Um, and I think that like you, like we talked about earlier, it's what kept it relevant. It has yeah. kept it relevant. Yeah. Um, and we, we, you know, like the, the Western genre can often do that, like explore current day situations through a pastime. Um, but I think like classic Westerns are always like good and evil. Yeah. You know, like very clearly defined, right? Yeah. It's like a, a myth almost, but like revisionist Westerns can get a little more, more murky and yeah. kind of deal with topics, more, more recent topics in, in a, yeah, in, in this way, so it's a fascinating film in that context and in the the way it weaves multiple genres. I think, yeah, and, and, and deals with this thematic content. And again, like we said, it's very very much character focused, um, 
which is a good which is a good thing. Yeah. And I think yeah, like it gives everybody their moments, but it also like makes you really care for Spencer Tracy and the and yeah. the people involved. And like you said, talk about the relevancy of this movie. It's one of those movies where like if you show a movie from 1955, at some point you will have to, not all the time, but you'll have to explain, okay, I know so it's, it's, yeah. it's time, but this is a movie I think you could put on and not really have to like yeah. give a warning of, I'm not saying all movies in the 50s, but like, like sometimes it's like, it could be like a joke lands a little oddly, yeah. or, but everything really plays realistic even for this time and it would lead to a nice discussion you know it would it would because i always am marvel marveled by by people who are like oh like films only started like tackling issues about race until much later in life but and a lot of times they tackle race in the pre-1960s it's like again it, it could be seen as almost racist of how they yeah. tackle race yeah. and this is one where it actually smartly like tackles race but doesn't try to provide the perspective of of the person the race commenting on basically yeah. it's about just commenting on this act is bad yes we shouldn't be doing this thing yeah. and speaking to this larger like cult- cultural uh look at how americans felt you know and, tr- and treated yeah. japanese americans at the- i can tell you right now <laughs> uh uh for the longest time because my family drives toyota i think like i always heard like the older gentlemen were not a fan of seeing Toyota cars <laughs> because it was Japanese cars. I, I mean, Fords. Yeah. Americans. Yeah. And so it's things like that where it's like people can become, it's yeah. like, that's, that's just the association. Yeah. The Toyotas are good cars, man. Toyotas are great cars. Yeah. Um, we're not sponsored by them, but you know <laughs> Thank what? you, Toyota. Thank you, Toyota. <laughs> Type in code Cinemation. Cinemation. Yeah. 3% yeah. off a Get, new Corolla. Yeah. 2023 Corolla. <laughs> Get $1 off a new Corolla. Um, but yeah, it, it is very interesting of how they they don't take it too lightly and, and kind yeah. of the the again the the how it weighs on everyone like they all knew it was wrong it wasn't like yeah. they pretended it was like oh like they all knew it was wrong and still did it because the guy with the loudest voice led them to do it yeah scary yeah and how like you like you talked about how it's still relevant today <laughs> i mean it can be, and, and again it's, and not and not i mean again i'll single people out with in terms of politics but like, it's just in general with, with certain yeah. things it's like it could be i have many discussions about fandoms nowadays yeah. this blind allegiance of like the person who's the loudest somehow is the one that gains all the power when yeah. they don't actually represent the majority of the people right. who, who the, yeah that they say they represent um and that could be in star wars or marvel or u.s government um <laughs> That's the way. It's just the, yeah. whoever is the loudest can somehow gain the power, and with and with Robert Ryan, that's what he does. Is that he's the one who he's the big bad guy who can be the loudest and, mm-hmm. and make the most noise. And I think his fear more so is not like the crime being discovered. It's more so like if it is discovered, it takes away his power. You know, like he'll lose his, his place in the town. Not it's not nothing Correct. to do with guilt or anything or 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 even fear of punishment nope. it's the the pun his only fear is losing his position it's that he can see that dean jagger saw all of a sudden get in the spine right and he wants to cut that yeah, shit nip out that in quick. the butt as like quick as possible. early on, like he he get when 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 like when spencer goes and talks to him not long after right ryan's like what are you talk to you about yeah. like let me let me chop those legs out from under you like don't get any ideas yeah and then the next time he tries to rise up, oh cool! I gave you the sheriff job. I'm gonna take it away from you. And it also feels like um, 
it also feels like Reno is like the first one to kind of realize the 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 ripple effect that he's yep. going to cause. Yep. And so he's trying to shut it down as quick as possible. But did anything not work for you? Anything not work? Um, I feel like I had something. What What about you? What did work for you? I, I, and this is more, I think this is more me as a viewer, but sometimes the pacing was okay. a little much for me. I mean, the average shot length is 10 seconds, which I don't think is, there's anything wrong with that. And like what we talked about, I really like how he plays things in the wides and how he blocks things. But there's just a yeah. few moments, I don't know. You have such a short attention span. I do. I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. It's like I understand. with older movies, I, I think I've be. mentioned this yeah. to you, but no, I, I I, need some sort of genre element to yeah, keep yeah. me invested, which I'm glad this has, but it was way, I think it was more character focused than I expected. I thought it was going to be more of like a traditional Western, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spencer Tracy just didn't like close-ups, apparently. <laughs> he hey, but like, I, screw I, that. As long as we got more karate chopping in it. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't do like any sound effects with it, which makes it okay. Um... Like maybe, again, uh, it is a little odd that there's one woman in the entire town. So one of the extras was actually apparently a woman um, drying clothes on a clothesline. And he uh, said it distracted from what, I, I don't remember who, who was in the scene, mm-hmm. but it distracted from, it might have been, I think it's one of the times Tracy's talking to Brennan, but okay. um, yeah, so. So yeah, you can, So he took that out. Yeah, I, I think you can argue stuff like that where it's like, and again, it's, and the thing is she's not even like, She's a woman in a very masculine sense. Is yeah. the thing. It's like she's the mechanic. and Oh, and that's what the guy pointed out on the commentary, by the way. Did you have him as a professor, by the way? What's his name? Uh, Crap. Uh, Dana Poland. No. Oh, but he uh, points that out, how she's like, how they even, you know, design her costume wise and, like, yeah. and demeanor and stuff, like how they tried to um, build a more masculine they, 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 character they, in this Western world. Ha, ha say, it's like they take away her shape is kind yeah. of the idea and make her look very manly. With but like, she's like working with cars. And, yeah. yeah. The overalls, the covered in oil. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and these were tropes of the era. Yeah, like, and, yeah. and yeah, I don't know if this is a bad thing. Right, I'm right. just saying if you're doing it again, as we're going to talk about later, if you're doing a remake of it, you can even still keep the twist, but you have to have something where there's something to kind of just like balance it out to, to give that character or another character um, more time. It's like, do you, do you make like, do, do you make like the, the, uh, the doc or whatever, like a woman, I, yeah. you know, that's, that's a whole other conversation, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, yeah. N- nothing really bothered me in this movie is the thing. So, Cool. Yeah. Uh, film facts. According to the projectionists' records, this has uh, become one of the most frequently shown films in the White House screening room. Really? Um, now I don't from know. When, who? I don't know when that fact was from, but I'm assuming you know any time from the 50s till now. But I don't know if it's more modern <laughs> presidents. I don't know Bill Clinton's popping up watching Bad Day of Block, right? I mean, I could see I could see Biden watching this movie. <laughs> Biden probably the reason. Biden, probably watches this shit every night. Biden remembers when it came out. <laughs> I was there. I was there, man. I was 30. No, I don't know. Um, uh, another fact, John Sturgis, apparently this was John Sturgis's favorite of his films, uh, and he d- specifically says in the commentary that his, fa- his favorite line in all of his movies is the ending line of this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And read the ending. Read the ending. I don't have it written down, but it's the, it, it, he says, uh, the trains, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Oh, yeah, the trains uh, stopped here once and four years ago, and then he says twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Not twice or whatever. Yeah. Great train. Yeah. Great train. Uh, but we can move on to awards. Awards. Okay. Beatrice Straight Award, actor, actress with limited scenes that kills it. Is Walter Brennan in too many scenes? I'm assuming yes. <sighs> yeah, it's a tough 
Because he also, Brennan also has that moment with Alts Tracy where he goes and sees uh, the sheriff. Yeah. And talks to him. I think he would be supporting. I would argue, though, that Lee Marvin is Beatrice Strait. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Because he has moments. He's always there. He doesn't have as many lines. He doesn't have many lines. He's 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 the one observer. And he feels like group. he feels like kind of not like not the lowest in the chain, but yeah. like he's the first one to yeah. I mean, to start I, with. I think you either are are you him or Borgnine. I, th- but Borgnine's in a lot of scenes too. He is. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe they do have about the same amount of lines. I don't know. I'm going to But Borgner has the big. It's, it's the yeah. fight scene. Yeah. He has the fight scene and the car. In, in the, the car, car chase. Yeah. So he has like two of the big action yeah. heavy moments. Right. Which is maybe why. And Lee Marvin's more of just the like causing shit because he wants to is yeah. the thing. So. Yeah, I'm cool with Lee Marvin. Okay. Look at Lee Marvin. All right. Then any. Shout pod- out Lee Marvin. Now, you want to register a complaint, boy? To register a complaint, you got to have evidence, boy. You got evidence? You got a big mouth, boy. Making accusations, disturbing the peace. We got law in this county protecting us and folks from big mile like you. I'd hate to act it. Any pods, X Factor Award supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. Is Robert Ryan in too many scenes for this award? I would count Robert Ryan here. Okay, I think then Robert I gotta Ryan, go with Robert, I think Ryan. Robert Ryan fits here. I think because he comes in a little bit, just a tad bit later, comes a little bit later. Again, he he's just another one of the guys that. Are, that Spencer Tracy talks to with certain things. He he gets the most scenes out of the supporting players in terms of like individual one on one scenes with Spencer Tracy. But and he has that great speech. Yeah, or two two really like I mean from a yeah. performance standpoint. Yeah, I think I think I think he's kind of the key. He's he's the key. I mean his like you said his performance has to be terrifying and scary. Yeah, in order for the movie to work, and I think it it works really well. So, Robert Ryan. Their minds get twisted. They put on hair shirts and act like martyrs. All of them are do-gooders, freaks, troublemakers. Let's wait and see. There's no danger yet. No danger, he says. This guy's like a carrier of smallpox. Since he's arrived, this town has a fever, an infection, and it's spreading. Hastings in a sick sweat running around shooting off his face. Doc getting snotty with me for the first time in four years. And Liz, your sister. Acts like a fool. She's only a kid. Kid? She must have strained every muscle in her head to get so stupid renting him a Jeep. Tim. Tim the rumdum. Suddenly decides he's got to act like a sheriff. And he says there's no danger. Of course, uh, you want to take the chance? (laughs) Now we have the Gene Hackman MVP award. The person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. This is tough for me. This is a tough one. I don't know if it's Tracy or not. I mean, I I have both Sturges and Tracy, obviously. Yeah. But Tracy, I I, I he I'm leaning more towards Tracy because okay, go. yeah, because of his performance and plead your case. Sir. No, because of his performance, I think I think this movie He's great wouldn't work, and also the fact that the original character, you know, he, they kind of had to change the original character from the short story to fit. His, perform- yeah. you know, or his, his his current age, and he brings all that to the role, and yeah, I mean, he, and he's great. He's That's great. what I was gonna say about yeah. what didn't work. I don't think it didn't work. I, I think it worked. I think I never really questioned the age thing that much. Yeah, but even though he he is, I noticed he is older. I was like, oh, okay, I guess. But he's that made older. me think he was like 
in some sort of position of higher power, up yeah. in the military. Because yeah. obviously he wouldn't be a, a grunt at that age. But No, he's yeah. not private yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Um, so I took it as that. So I yeah. just feel like he, he was saying. And also like with his skills that he uses, yes. it's like clear that he has. Military training yeah, in some yeah. way. Yeah. It seems like I always read it as that he was. Um, he was. Uh, higher up and was saved by like a younger. Yeah. Like Japanese American. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he felt he needed to. To, 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 to honor to, him, it's yeah. like, I, 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 he saved my life. At least I can do is give him a day yeah. or whatever is what he said. Yeah. Um. Okay. And again, the, the the scene that again I think makes me for Tracy is when he confronts Ryan outside the gas station, yeah. which apparently was only shot one time, as you said. <laughs> when he's just when he's talking about like, oh no, I know you're, I know you're, I know you're lying. I know this part's true because I believe the businessman came. Um. Think he's wanting to build a cemetery, and that's like the one time he actually kind of gets a little bit of a close up. Yeah, when Tracy kind of looks up at Ryan, basically saying, "Yeah, I know you did this yeah. shit." Yeah, with the flower. Yeah, yeah, with the flowers. Like, oh, yeah, the wildflowers. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, something's buried out there. I don't know what. Something's buried <laughs> could, out could there. Could be an animal. Could be <laughs> an animal. Could be a person. Something's buried. And, and he and he's great yeah. in that moment. And that's when, like, again, the movie pivots, and uh, that's when he's like. I have to get out of town and there's no way to get out of town. And that's when the stuck in a small town right. happens is that initially he's not stuck. Yeah. He's there on his own accord. He's there he's on his own accord. Like, yeah. It's that when he starts kind of asking the wrong questions, they're yeah. like, and keep and doubles down and doubles down. We're yeah. like, we have to keep him here to get rid of him. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Spencer Tracy on this one. So funny. Uh, nothing, nothing. It's just that I don't believe you anymore than I believe you about the letters. You don't seem to believe anything I say. Oh, yes, I believe you about, about uh, what you say about the businessman being interested in, in Adobe Flat. Why? Well, I I would think they would be interested. Uh, there'd be some historian in all that land lying fallow. You know, it could be used for some purpose, like maybe a graveyard. There's something buried up there. I. Uh, your wildflowers? That means a grave. I suppose you knew that. I saw a lot of it, you know, overseas. Figured it wasn't a human grave because it wasn't marked. Kind of a mystery, isn't it? Kind of. Maybe you can figure it out. Maybe. All right, we got the final questions. Recast it. If it was remade uh, in, a, in the modern era, who would you cast? Okay. And should we just do like... I'm going a tad bit younger. Oh, okay. Do you have people? No, no, no. I was just going to say, should we just do like the main roles or are you going to do like some of the... Are you going to do like Lee Marvin and Ernest Borne? I don't know if I can go, I don't know if I can go that small. Yeah. I mean, those be, I, I... Let me get... I'm going to try... I have, I have two. Do I want... I have some people here is the thing. Oh, cool. I, 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 have, I have my... I have my... An idea for my... Uh, McCre- McCready... I'm trying to go a little bit against type with some of these. And I don't know if I fully am is the thing. I'm trying to find an older person for like the doc and, and mm-hmm. the sheriff. I think we'll go with that one. Well, cause it's important that their characters are older because they, they, they've seen the West in like every, you know, and it's a full extent. Yeah. Here are my four guys. Take what you will from them. If you have better examples, I will listen, uh, to all of them. For Doc, I have Paul Giamatti. 
I'm uh, I'm all in on that one. I'll okay. never turn down Giamatti. Okay. But also, I think he could do that role really well. He do that role really yeah. well. For the sheriff, he could go the other way, but I, I want He's a little bit older, and he would. I think he would have played Robert Ryan's character if it was like uh, mid two thousands. Yeah, and that's Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, okay. Yeah. So kind of want to go a little, little bit against type, where it's an older guy who could have been that person. Yeah. Um. And he and, has and, played and a, as a drunk. Yeah, yeah, he has played a drunk many times. Yeah. <laughs> for Ryan, for Reno, I have Joel Edgerton. Oh, okay. Oh, in that role. Yeah, I like that. And you and we've seen his menacing in, in the gift, man. Jeez. Yes, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's great. He directed that. He directed himself on that. I still blows my mind. Yeah, he wrote amazing. that role for yeah. himself. It blows my mind. And he's amazing in that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I never knew he had that in it until that that. And then my kind of, I think with this one, because if you're doing like a modern day thing, race needs to have a bigger role sure. in it. So I don't know if that means you cast an Asian American actor. Right now I have a, I'm putting a black actor in the role is what it is. Yeah. As a way to kind of like, to kind of tackle two different kind of race issues in a way. Um, because I think there there has to be in their eyes an outsider from the beginning. Yeah, and not because they're an, an Asian American, but maybe because they're an African American instead. Yeah. Um, my pick for that is Sterling K. Brown. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that cast a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that that would all four would be really good. Yeah. In those roles, it would be cool to see Sterling K. Brown in this in like a Western world, a Western too. type yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm all in on all those. All right. Cool. I'll take it. All I'll right. I'll take it. So does this film fit in with any other genres? Uh, Yeah. We talked about it's a revisionist Western is for one. It's also a 24-hour movie. I wrote that as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, like to the dot. To <laughs> the <all>. dot. <laughs> you could almost argue because it's a location in a big... It could be a one-location movie because it's the town. Yeah. And they only really go to Adobe Flats, which is still technically... Yeah, part it's of still part of the town. Yeah. And like they really, they like they only go inside the 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 morgue, the the mortician's place once or twice. Yeah. The jail and the rest is mostly in the hotel. Yeah. And like one scene in the diner or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I would I would put twenty four hour movie, May one location movie, revisionist western. Um. I don't know if I'd call it a revenge movie. Because Spencer Tracy doesn't really he doesn't go there to seek revenge, right? And even when he knows what happens, it's more so he like wants justice. He not wants justice, not, not revenge like from his own hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you consider it a conspiracy film? If, in the sense of like he uncovers this this talent conspiracy to have you know hidden this, you can argue that because yeah. that's one thing I, I like about this movie is that we talk about is that like. Everyone in the town kind of has, for in this case, has a one one big secret. But you could do this movie where everyone has multiple secrets right. where things are tied. Yeah, in some and way maybe he's where, even using that against them to like keep them quiet. Exactly, right? exactly. That could Re- be Reno's a possibility. Yeah. If you're doing a new one, uh, yeah. with that, um, why do st- why? Because why don't you just get in your car and drive away? Yeah, is the thing. Um, but yeah, I think that those all kind of fit with this movie. Cool. And then how does this film fit in the months genre? Well, I said, we said earlier kind of this idea of like character actors and local color. And you really have that here with these just, again, 
all-star cast of, of character actors of this period in time and people who become even bigger afterwards with Borgnine and, and Lee Marvin. Um, but I think that's there. And they all have like Walter Brennan's very much an eccentric character. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You're one of the few people I've asked that question for whatever, when he's like <laughs> grab a chair. Um, Oh, uh, lines, lines busy. That probably will be all day. Um, yeah, there's something about, uh, about him or about him. That's really great. But the, the, the kind of characters of it all. Um, I think the idea too, we talked about Thomas and me about the idea of, the town, like I said earlier on, the town affecting the person, the person affecting the town. I think the ending of the movie where it's like Walter Brennan's kind of become the the new, like, the not the mayor of the town, but kind of the leader of the town. Like, oh, can you give us the mail? Like, yeah. to give us some sort of hope that we're going to be better than what we were before is the thing. Is it what well, let's, we're trying to start over. And that doesn't happen if Tracy, if, if McCready doesn't show up. Right. It would have just stayed, stayed how it was. For him, yeah. he, he's he doesn't learn anything from these characters. Right. Really, is the thing he he again, and that's kind of the western. It's the 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 hero rides in the town, causes stirs up some stuff, yeah. and then gets back on the horse and rides away into the sunset. Into the sunset, and that's what we get here with the train. Is yeah. that he rides in, stops, does his business in the day, and leaves the next day, yep. and and then we'll never see him again. Is the thing. But he his presence there changes it all. Yeah. Um. And it's one or the other. Either his presence, their their presence changes it, or the, the 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 town changes who they are. And with local hero on Groundhog Day, it was the town changed them. This is where he changes the town. So that's yeah. kind of the we and we talked about in our Patreon episode. Um. That I think I don't know if it's out yet, but we'll be coming out. We talked about Tu Wong Fu versus like the other ones. That Tu Wong Fu is the one that like, um it's characters who affect the town. The other movies like doc Hollywood, the town affects the character is and, and cars as well. Yep. Yeah. And cars as well. Is it, and those movies, you're always, are they going to come back when Tu Wong Fu same with this? I never think Spencer Trace is coming back to that town. Yeah. Tu Wong Fu, they might, but like <laughs> you never think they're going to stay in this town, and live the rest right. of their life, like doc Hollywood or cars. Um, but that it has all that. Is there anything that you feel that I, I've, I've missed in, in my, no, but I do think it's interesting. The, the plot device in this of what keeps him stuck. Yes, it's, it's it's I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of the movies on the list don't have the thing where it's like, oh, he's not stuck until like halfway through the movie. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. So sometimes they're stuck right when they get there. Right. He plans on leaving, like, yeah. and once he gets what he came for, he's like, cool, I'll just leave. Yeah. Now and they're like, no, you can't. There's no train. Yeah. Oh, can we get a car in here? No cars. Well, can I take your car? Nope, it's broken. Yeah, the hearse. Can we call the cops? Nope, phone's all busy. (laughs) Oh, they cut the phone lines. Like it's like they're slowly right cutting everything away from him and and wait, just waiting till night. It's basically building to the climax. thing. So, um, but yeah, it's it's it become it becomes stuck in a small town halfway to the movie. Basically, is the thing. So, but yeah, that's all I get. Well, cool. Is that all we have? Again, very short episode. And compare. I mean, great. Uh, Thomas always said we always want to keep it close to the runtime of the movie, and this movie is only eighty minutes long. <laughs> so as of right now, we're pretty close to it in terms of recording this. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. We have on on Bad Day at Black Rock. Uh, we've on the Patreon stuff. I, I again, I don't think it hasn't come out yet because I've been it's been crazy with editing stuff. But it will be out. Thomas and and I did a triple feature of Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Doc Hollywood and Cars, three movies that people were saying are somewhat the same movie, and we discuss in depth if we think they are and if they aren't. Um, but Dave and I will also be talking about Elizabeth Town at some point in the in yeah. the end of the month. So 
be prepared for that. Uh, thank you to our patrons who are, who are part of our show and kind of helping us uh, kind of fund it. And and we hope you enjoy the exclusive content that we keep putting out. We we like talking about movies uh, in many ways uh, when we're not recording, when we are recording. Um, we talk about a lot. It could be nauseating for some people how much we talk about movies in our life. Anyway, um, we talk about a lot. <laughs> we do. We do, but we love it. Well, well, that's what I always talk about when I go see like a movie and I hear p- other people. You're like, Film are we dudes? like these people? Am I, am I like that guy? Please yeah. don't tell me I'm like that. So we try to spice up. We'll talk music. <laughs> we'll talk music. I'll talk sports. Um, I'll go to the theater. I'm we're cultured. It's just movies is a very is a very big, right. big thing. But yeah, but that's all we have for this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments. And if you're a new listener of the show or a fan of the show, and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to subscribe to the Sensation Podcast. Stay updated on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. These reviews help us gain traction with people. We pop them more lists, uh, more like kind of recommends because it's showing that people are listening to it or there is engagement. So any engagement, if it's a comment on an Instagram post, a, a retweet of a X post, whatever it's called, um, anything like that, or, or a five-star review, that helps us kind of push the the podcast more out into the world. So if you can do that, that'd be great. We truly appreciate it. And finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Twitter, X, God, no, X. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. Instagram, Letterbox, and t- X when host Twitter, uh, <laughs> Letterbox and TikTok and all those places. David, as always, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.